Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leopard, financial advisor and FPU coordinator with Richard Young Associates. Good great day Saturday to be here, guys. Yeah. That's right. It is a great day, and we are excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner that you can stream us. Uh, you can also go to the dial, 1230 a.m. If you're uh, cruising around the CSRA or our podcast, we have a link on the right-hand side. If you miss a, um, a segment or you want to re-listen to it, you can go out there and download that uh, to your favorite uh, you know, Apple instrument and uh, listen to us on the go. Exactly. And it's all right off our website, moneymd.net. So do check us out there and you can link to us there and ask us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can link to us for emails or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, I think we have a great show lined up for today. Um, as usual, we got some interesting stuff here. We're going to talk about uh, one of them is the seven financial decisions you'll regret forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make those. So you need to listen to this. I mean, these are important. These are life-changing, bad decisions, and we're going to show you how to avoid those. Yeah, that's a, that's a good article. We're going to follow that up with uh, an article from uh, our friend Dave Ramsey about um, you know what you need to do with your money at different ages, when you're 20s, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way up to your 80s. I threw a bonus in there because wow. we, we know some people in their 80s, and I actually have something for if you're 100. Yeah, I was going to say, how about your grandmother? Yeah, she's 100. Yeah, that's 100 plus. So, good know. financial tip for her? Yeah, she can give us some tips. <laughs> I <laughs> bet she could. I bet she could. That's awesome. No kidding. All right, and then we're going to finish up with the ABCs of LTC, and that's long term care. It's kind of been a theme, something we've been talking about a little bit here lately. And uh, so we have some interesting interesting points to, to talk about there. You know, who, who it's for, what, it, what it's about, you know, and how it might fit in your particular plan or not, mm-hmm. you know? so Always a hot topic. Yeah, right. very important topic, planning for long-term care. So that's a great segment as well. We're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the, the Tax Foundation, and uh, legislation has been proposed in Illinois to increase their top marginal state income tax rate to 9.75%, and that's from... Uh, Ouch. That's from 3.75, just a little bit of an just increase. Just a little bit, like triple wow. it. Great, Scott. Yeah. And obviously they're doing that because they have financial woes, and I won't say 
which party is running their financial situation. Chicago, you're saying? Oh, Illinois. Illinois, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right, Chicago's right. in there. So the, the whole yeah. state's a mess. Yeah, right it is. Well, particularly the Chicago area. But, yeah. you know, it's a shame. Um, I mean, gee, 10% for the top marginal rate. Add that on top of the 43.8% top uh, mm-hmm. federal rate. Yeah. And, you know, you're right there over 50%, yep. not including Social Security. So they're trying to run the wealthy people out of the states. Yeah, they're, they're going to be moving. They are. They will. I mean, go to Texas, no income tax. Mm-hmm. Florida. Tennessee. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah it's a shame. It's, it is a sign. I mean, it, it, when you look at the financial woes of states around the around the country, I mean, California's, you know, struggling. I mean, it. You know, there's there's some reasons behind that, but man, ten percent—that is a huge rate. It is, and that's what happens when you know countries, governments, even localities get in financial trouble. First thing they do is start trying to tax the wealthy, and then they start changing the definition of what wealthy is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you live in Greece, the top tax rate starts at like fifty-five thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, like sixty percent. I don't even know what it is, but it's a very Jeez. high rate. So yeah, they've kept lowering that. They've kept lowering yeah. that threshold and saying, yeah, you know, really, if you make over <clears throat> ten thousand, you might be considered wealthy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so look out if you live in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Great financial fact of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is the seven financial decisions you'll regret forever. Um, yeah, That's this a long is, time. That's a long time. You you don't want to make these decisions. Yeah, this is a great article out of Kiplinger's um, magazine and uh, Bob Need Need Need. There's always a name here I can't pronounce. Anyway, out of Kiplinger's, very recent here uh, is where this comes from. But yeah, I mean financial regrets. I mean, we all have a few, right? But there are some big differences between making an impulse purchase that you'll second guess the morning after in making a major financial decision about your money that could haunt you for a lifetime. Um, So what Kiplinger's did was they surveyed dozens of financial planners and experts, and here are some of the most disastrous mistakes people make with their money and how you can avoid them. You know what Dave Ramsey calls financial regrets? What's that? that? Stupid tax. Oh, yeah. Stupid tax, (laughs) yeah. He has a a way of, you know, rewarding it to catch your attention a little bit. So we've all paid stupid tax, but don't do this stuff right here. This is... This is not good. So number one here on the list is borrowing from your 401K. And, you know, guys, taking a loan from your 401K can be tempting. I mean, after all, it's your money, um, so you'll only be paying yourself back with interest. And as long as your plan sponsor permits borrowing, you know, they'll let you pay it back up to five years. um, And you're paying back that interest as well. But short of an emergency, tapping your 401K, it's a bad reason. I mean, just just don't do it. And there's several reasons here. First, you miss out on the investment growth um, from the money while it's out of the market. And uh, you're also likely to reduce or suspend contributions while paying it back. So that's further damaging, uh, you know, your retirement balances. And, you know, that means that you're you're shortchanging your retirement account for months and a lot of times even years, and you're sacrificing employer matches as well, which is the free money that comes in. So keep in mind, too, that you'll be paying the interest on that 401k loan with after-tax dollars, then paying taxes on those funds again when retirement rolls around. So a lot of things stacked up here. Do not use this. Opportunity risk. Yes. Exactly. Double taxed on the interest you pay back, too. Ouch. 
that's painful. Yeah, I mean, if you leave your job, the loan usually has to be paid back within 60 days. So that's another problem. Otherwise, it's considered a distribution and it's taxed as income. So, and oftentimes a 10% penalty as well if you're not 59 and a half. So before borrowing from a 401k, explore your other loan options. You know, like college tuition, for instance, can be covered with student loans and plus loans for parents. Um, Major home repairs can be financed with a home equity line of credit instead. I mean, leave your retirement alone if at all possible. That's some expensive money, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Can you say emergency fund? There you go. Have an emergency fund. Yeah, don't borrow from your 401k. Big mistake. Mistake number two here is claiming Social Security too early. Now, as most people know, I mean, you're entitled to start taking your Social Security benefits at age 62, but you probably shouldn't. Most financial planners, like ourselves, we recommend waiting until your full retirement age, if possible, which is currently 66, uh, and change, and it's gradually increasing to age 67 for those that were born after 1959. But you want to wait before you tap your Social Security. Waiting even until age 70 could even be better if you can afford that. So let's say that you're at full retirement age, the point where you would uh, receive 100% of your benefit. Let's say it's 66. If you claim at 62, your monthly check will be reduced by about 25% for the rest of your life. So that's 25% reduction by taking it early. If you hold off until age 70, you'll get a 32% increase in your benefits, 8% a year for four years, thanks to the delayed retirement credits. So that's an extra like 50, over 50% by waiting from age 62 to age 70. That's a big difference. Pretty big swing there. It really is, you know, and you'll draw that for the rest of your life. And for couples, keep in mind the survivor gets the higher of the two benefits for the remainder of their life as well. So um, that's a big decision. You need to be careful about when you take Social Security. If you live off of your portfolio for a few years to delay claiming, then if you can do that, then you need to. Alternatively, you could stay on the job longer, work part-time if possible. You could take some leisurely part-time job somewhere after retirement to help bridge the financial gap. There are plenty of interesting ways to earn some extra cash these days while your Social Security benefit continues to grow 8% per year for life. So that was mistake number two. You want to make sure you don't that. That's a pretty good return. Sure yeah, is. You know, yeah, especially is. at that age. No yeah. kidding. Um, so number three that we've got on the list here is paying the minimum on your credit cards. Now, Americans have an infatuation with their credit cards, it seems like, these days. And we have almost an average of almost $16,000 of debt per household. You know, and that's according to uh, NerdWallet.com. It can take years and years and years to potentially pay off that credit card debt uh, with the amount of you know mounting interest, uh, especially especially the more you continue to charge. You know that can be a, a compounding. Uh, that's the snowball rolling in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dave talks about the snowball debt uh, snowball debt snowball, and that's rolling in the wrong directions. Take for instance this. All right, let's let's say uh, our example has a five thousand dollar balance on his card with a fixed rate of twelve point five percent, typical of what most banks are charging these days. If you only make the minimum payments, it would take you nearly ten years and seventeen hundred dollars interest to eliminate just that five thousand dollars of debt. That's some expensive money as well. Yeah, ten years. That's you know? that's a long time. 
Sure is. And and people, they just they get in that cycle. So what, what could they do there, Steve, to kind of elim- eliminate that? Yeah, exactly. Well, the first step is to stop making new charges, right, on your credit card. you got to stop, stop the bleeding. the balance up here. <laughs> but I tell you what, we'll finish this when we come back from break. Um, but if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call during regular business hours at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the seven financial decisions you'll regret forever. Forever. Ever. The rest of your life. So you don't want to make these mistakes, guys. And... You know, these are important. These are big ones, um, and people don't recognize it when they do it. Like the first one here on the list was borrowing from your 401K. You know, it seems innocuous enough. I mean, it seems like something that, you know, average people do, and if you have that benefit in your plan, why not do it, right? And, and the old saying is you're paying your interest back to yourself. You know, it's your money, so that's a great way of doing it. Well, well, here's the problem, guys, that we just talked about. You know, you're you're taking your money out of the market. You're 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 paying the interest back, but the money's out of the market for like five years mm-hmm. while you pay it back. And it's and, after tax. And it's after tax money that you're paying back. It's a big so deal. it's a big deal. You know, there are tax consequences. You normally you you suspend your own payments while you're making it. So that was the first one here on the list. And then the, the second thing on the list here was claiming Social Security too early. You know, Social Security goes up seven and a half, eight percent per year when you delay it. So if you can delay it, it's very beneficial to delay it. You want to look at that. Um, that's a guaranteed seven and a half, eight percent increase every year for the rest of your life and your spouse's life, um, because you'll draw the survivor of the two of you will draw the uh, higher benefit for for the the remaindering a lifetime of the survivor. So that was number two. Number three here on the list that we just talked about is paying the minimum on your credit cards. Um, guys, I mean, you, you want to make sure you don't live in credit card debt. Average household has about $16,000 of credit card debt, as Gordon mentioned here, and you just can't let that drag on. you got to get out of credit card debt. As Dave Ramsey says, you got to have a plastectomy. Mm-hmm. you got to get rid of those things forever. Intense. Mm-hmm. There you go. And uh, so what you do, the first step here we were just starting to talk about is you got to stop making new charges. you got to stop the bleeding, stop adding to the cards. Then secondly, you got to start paying extra on the smallest balance. You want to generate some momentum here. So you take the smallest balance, you know, say you have three or four cards. You take that smallest one. You start paying it off with laser focus. You get that one knocked out. Then you take all the payment you were making to that one, and you add it to this next smallest balance. And so you're doubling up on it. And so that one starts getting some momentum, gets paid off really quick. Then you take all of that, and you start adding it to the third one. And you keep doing that. And if you do that, you will probably pay off that balance of these credit cards much faster than you ever imagined. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the snowball rolling downhill, right? You get that momentum going. Then once that's done, 
then you got to get rid of the cards. You destroy all the cards. Maybe you keep one. Lock it up in your safe for emergencies. <laughs> but uh, you know, above all else, you got to live within your means. Yeah. So sure. you got to get rid of the credit cards if you're if you're holding a balance on those. So that's the way you do it. That was number three. Number four here on the list is putting off saving for retirement. As as financial professionals like ourselves, um, we have all heard the refrain before that I'll start saving for retirement when I make more money or when I get whatever, you know, college savings going or, you know, there's always something you can point to and say, when that is done, then I'll start saving for retirement. But that that fiddling around, you know, that playing the fiddle while Rome burns, it won't cut it as retirement nears. Most people don't start aggressively saving for retirement until they reach their 40s or 50s. The good news for these people is there's probably still time to change and to achieve your goals, but you need to take some immediate action, and you need to change your mindset about money. It takes a lot of determination and discipline if you've lived a lifestyle of not saving for 20 or 30 years as an adult. That won't happen by accident or, you know, as a result of another year's resolution, New Year's resolution. Um, you know, Morningstar has calculated it, and this is the way the, the, it breaks down saving for retirement. If you're trying to save, say, a million dollars for retirement by age 65, if you assume a 7% rate of return, you need to save about $381 a month if you start at age 25. That's just a car payment. That's very doable, mm-hmm. right, at age 25. Well, wait to age 35, and it's $820 a month. Now you're starting to sound more like a mortgage payment. That's starting to get pretty serious amount of money there. Wait to age 45, it's $1,920 a month. That's a huge amount. You know, not many people can fork out $1,920 a month. Wait to age 55, it's $5,778 a month. Ouch. To try to get up to a million dollars by age sixty-five, that's not going to happen, folks. So you got to start early. You got to hit it hard. It's very doable. It's an easy task. You can save it all in a Roth IRA if you start at age twenty-five. And that's a great, great place to do it. It really is tax-free million dollars. That would be the way to do it. So that was number four. Yeah. So. The next one here on the list is uh, overspending on your kids. Um, I just had a meeting with a couple and. Great folks, givers, but uh, they haven't saved for retirement like they needed to because they're helping their family out. And, you know, of course you want your children to have the best uh, education, wedding, best everything. And if you can afford it, you know, that's a personal decision. But footing the the bill for private tuition or or lavish uh, nuptials at the expense of your own retirement savings can come back to haunt you. So, guys, this is something that you really got to think through. And we see this as we sit down with folks. I can look at someone's situation now and i can tell that money is leaking out because they have a great income and they have no savings it's like all right where is it where's going? it going and um, then they kind of tell me the story and so you got to have the, the conversation with them but you got to be very careful on this one yeah right this is a delicate subject but yeah i mean instead of you know say expensive you know college tuition or something like that you know explore scholarships grants student loans less expensive in-state schools and lieu of rating the retirement nest egg you know uh, another recommendation would be like community college for two years followed by a transfer to the four-year college you know nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with going locally so you know no one plans to go broke in retirement 
but it can happen for a lot of reasons. And one of the biggest reasons, of course, is not saving enough to begin with. But, you know, if you're not prudent now and you, you break the bank, you know, trying to overspend on your kids, trying to help your kids, then you might end up, you know, being the one who's moving into your kid's basement later on. Mm-hmm. You don't want that to happen. So that was number five. That's a good one. Next one here on the list is foregoing personal or professional advice when needed. You know, we all can use a hand once in a while, especially when it comes to tricky aspects of our financial lives. For example, I mean, remember back to 2008, 2009, during the Great Recession, there was a sharp drop in the stock market. Many investors, we know a lot of them, they sold out at the bottom, irreparably damaged their financial futures because they didn't have the discipline or the accountability that a financial professional could have provided. You know, investors who are on their own, they tend to buy high and they tend to sell low. And there's studies that show that, like Dalbar Associate studies that we refer to often talk about that, you know. So um, that's one way a financial professional can help you is during times when the market gets rocky, like we just described. And advice isn't limited to investments. I mean, the right financial pros can assist with um, you know, everything from taxes to insurance to retirement savings, estate planning. You can cost yourself tens of thousands of dollars in taxes and losses with poor financial decisions. So, you know, good advice can pay off for you and for your loved ones also. I mean, common but avoidable mistakes such as dying without a will, um, failing to designate the correct beneficiaries in your retirement accounts could leave you and your heirs in limbo and even see your wealth go to the wrong people. So you want to get good financial advice, professional advice, when you need it. That, and also avoiding the stock market. You know, uh, people tend sometimes to, to shy away from stocks because they seem too risky. Uh, that's one of the biggest mistakes that actually investors can make. You know, true, the market is volatile and it has its ups and downs. But since 1926, you know, stocks have averaged a return of about 10%. You know, and so that's not too bad. Uh, but bonds, CDs, bank accounts, and mattresses, not quite as not quite as good a returns there. So, you know, staying out of the market could actually do more harm uh, than getting into the market and just making sure that you had a, a good diversified portfolio. Yeah, while there are no guarantees, of course, when it comes to stocks, so you have to, to, to make sure you understand the risk. Diversification really is the key. But, you know, keeping your money in a mix of different asset classes like large, large value, small, U.S., international stocks um, is a good way to start. We favor low-cost funds uh, that are really well diversified worldwide because they offer an affordable way to, to own a piece of thousands of different companies without having to buy individual stocks. So the key here is you want to make sure that you have exposure to the stock market. And when you get older, you can scale that back when you get near retirement or in retirement. But still, you're going to need to keep up with inflation and beat inflation to create the income you need during retirement. So those are the seven financial mistakes you want to make sure you avoid. Um, And that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call during regular business hours, 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages and GNN News. Stay with us.
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to lead off our next segment here with the question of the week. This question has to do with cash, and um, this uh, individual has about $250,000 in cash. That is a big number. That's a lot. It's only earning half a percent. They're not happy with the returns, uh, any other options. And the other piece of information is that they have no debt, and uh, their cash is building every single month. So, wow, what a great situation. It's a great situation. <clears throat> I mean, what, I, what we typically recommend is define what your emergency fund is, um, 50, 100, whatever that number is. And anything above that, try to make it work towards your your goals. Um, no debt, you know, you, you have nothing to pay off. So an option would be a, a conservative um, mutual fund, right? You could put it into a conservative portfolio and try to grow it at 3 4 5% over time, but keep a piece of it, you know, in cash. Don't do anything with a portion of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised you didn't suggest the John Travis College Fund. <laughs> yeah, that's but, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great situation. A lot of cash sitting around there. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, just a conservative portfolio of, of all all bonds, you know, mm-hmm. might get two or three percent a year. You you don't know. I mean, there is some risk there, mm-hmm. but still, um, you got to do something to get more than a half percent with a quarter of a million dollars that's sitting there in cash. You know, half percent, as you mentioned, is losing every single year to inflation. And the conversation was, is, you know, a, a portion of their money um, is likely going to be passed on to the next generation. So it's not just their lifetime they're looking at. It becomes right. their kid's lifetime. So you're talking about 40, 50, 60 years. So why wouldn't you want to try to grow that a little bit to pass it on to the next generation? It's a personal choice, but. Exactly. You know, I mean, is, even a, a fixed annuity, you know, would, would get mm-hmm. maybe, you know, 3%. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, you know, two and a half, three percent. So there's some better options than a half percent. So you certainly don't want to have that much sitting around in cash. Great question of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our next topic here. And that is um, talking about your age, your money, how to spend, how to save, how to invest right now. The whole litany of suggestions here, John. Yes, we have them. We have them for every age group out there. So whatever age you are. From uh, 20 to 100, uh, we're going to talk about. So this is from Dave Ramsey, and uh, you know Dave's group and organization talks about becoming uh, wealthy so you can then um, give money back, right? So that's obviously yep. the intent. Money is, is, um, is not evil in itself. It's the, the love of money is evil. So Dave's a big believer in giving back, and, and so are we. So, um, but we want people to make good decisions, and it, you know, it takes discipline and attention to a few common sense concepts like living on a budget, uh, paying down debt, and then saving like crazy. So we're going to go through a couple of different uh, age groups here and uh, take a look at what you should be doing, um, you know, depending on whatever age you are. So 20s, you got to build a solid foundation. Uh, You know, you're getting married, um, about to be. You need to make sure that you're on the same page with, um, with with your spouse, right? Steve? Exactly. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you and Kathy talk about money? We do. We do. And particularly 20s, you know. I mean, our kids are in their 20s. So, you know, it's, that's right near and dear to our heart. That's why I really wanted to talk about this, John. It's a great topic here. Yeah. I mean, if you're newly married or you're going about to be, um, you really do need to get on the same page about money. And if you're in that age group of the 20s, 
uh, that's the time to really get on the right path to avoiding debt and having no credit cards, start paying cash for your cars, um, not having car payments. You know, you can start investing even $100 a month. For, if you did that for 40 years, at say 10%, that would be over a half million dollars mm-hmm. that you would have. You could do that in a Roth IRA, and wow, I mean, what a, a beautiful thing that would be when you retire to have no taxes over a half million dollars tax-free forever in a in a retirement plan so yeah lots of things you can do um pay student loans you take student loans out you can you can pay them off very quickly if you have student loans we we highly encourage you to get out of debt that's the time to start doing it right there in the 20s and just just pile it away start getting in that habit you know uh, make sure you have good medical insurance so you don't get into any problems with with medical um Problems and medical policies. Uh, so you, you want to make sure that you you don't have hospital bills. Are you saying Sally Mae shouldn't be your BFF? Yeah, they shouldn't be your your best friend. That's right, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for defining that. Yeah, really. BFF. All right. Yeah, single hospital stay. I mean, that can really bankrupt you. Yeah, it can. So you want to you want to make sure your your bases are covered there in your twenties. Yeah, and and then also in your thirties. You know, sometimes your your focus shifts then more to your family, Uh, kids. They come into the. They definitely come into the picture. You have to rework your budget because now it's more focused toward diapers, daycare, maybe cribs and car seats. Uh, you'll have a little less money, but hopefully you'll have a lot more love. You know, in the process. You know, you have to buy some good long-term life insurance to cover your family uh, should anything happen to you. Uh, or your spouse, we re- we recommend kind of as a rule of thumb about ten times your income, you know, and that that could vary for most people, but you know, as long as you could afford that, about ten times your income for term should be affordable. Uh, a healthy thirty-five year old male uh, could get about five hundred thousand dollars of coverage for twenty years level term, and that that might run you tw- uh, two hundred sixty bucks a year. Yeah, and that's, that's well, well worth it uh, during that time. Yeah, great, great way to protect your family. Um, talked about it a couple minutes ago, emergency funds, three to six months. I mean, sooner or later, if you don't have an emergency fund, you're going to be tapping your 401K. And right? it's not a matter of if you'll have an emergency, it's <laughs> right. when. It's right. It's going to happen. So make sure you have the emergency fund. In your 30s, if you have uh, kids, you got to start thinking about home ownership. Just make sure you have 10 to 20% on a 15-year fixed income or interest rate. Met with a, a couple um, the, uh, recently, and they had a PMI, private mortgage insurance payment, of about $200 a month. Wow. The PMI part? Yeah. Alone? Yeah, it was huge. Oh, wow. Yeah, very, very large. So you got to make sure you put down 20% to avoid that. Um, so that's your 30s. Moving on into your 40s, you got to make sure you shovel the savings. Shovel the savings. you got to make sure you're, you're, you're saving. You're at the top of your career, your family. Um, you gotta, you got to make sure you're contributing 15% of your income towards retirement. you got to ramp up the kids' college funds um, only after you secure your retirement. I mean, you can get a, a loan for um, education, but you can't get a loan for retirement, guys. So um, make sure that you're saving big time in your 40s. Yeah, I, I disagree, actually, John. I think the 50s is the top of your career, okay, oh, not do the you? 40s. Okay. I do, I do. And uh <laughs> You know, and so that's when you're really knocking it down and you got to get serious is in your 50s. But you need to look forward and stay focused. I mean, that's when you have the kids probably out of college in your 50s. Mm-hmm. So now you can really 
hammer it away. Um, you start looking forward to life without the daily commute. That's okay. You get excited about the idea of retirement down the road. But, you know, don't cash in retirement savings just yet. Keep investing the full 15%. And now's the time to pay off your mortgage. If you still have a mortgage, if you had a 15-year mortgage, you should be, maybe you're done Mm -hmm. by now. But if you still have a mortgage, you got to get it paid off when you're in your 50s before retirement. With the kids out of your house, maybe even downsize, pay cash for your next place. But whatever you do, don't upgrade to a new house and take on new debt. The 50s is not the time to be taking on new debt. Any new assets need to be purchased with cash. Yep. Yeah. You can also do if you have spare change. Dave, Dave likes uh, rental real estate. You know, that's uh, see some people liking to do that, but that's just another option. Yeah, a little, a little shout out to my dad. They paid it off by age forty five, and they've been able to attain some uh, rental incomes, cash, sweet, you know, paid off. So awesome. Um, all right, looking at your 60s, enjoy the fruits of your labor, you know, okay? It uh, looks like Steve was already talking about that a little bit. Uh, it's time to retire, but that doesn't mean, you know, sitting on your couch and just stopping life, you know, and watching Everybody Loves Raymond, but proactive and tweak your budget, you know. Uh, take a look at things and find ways to stay active. Uh, there's studies that show that the more that you stay active after retirement, the longer you usually live. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might also want to um, consider some long-term care, which we'll be talking about in just a few moments around this time, you know, and um, if you're not careful and don't plan accordingly, that could really take a toll on you later. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, just an idea of the cost of long-term care. 60-year-old couple, uh, about $150,000 of benefits. It's about two grand a year. So, um, you know, you need, it is reasonable, uh, but you got to budget for it. And, you know, another thing to look at in your 60s is uh, enjoy yourself. I mean, without a house payment uh, or a growing family to support, you can focus on fun, traveling, visiting with the grandkids, and, um, you know, giving generously to your community, which is kind of goes into, you know, your 80s. And we see a lot of folks in their 80s and, and even 90s giving a lot of their money away. I mean, that's Dave talks a lot about giving generosity to, to your community, nonprofits, families family and so forth can't take it with you right so you might as well enjoy giving it away um to uh, to those that you love and those those organizations that you feel like are are carrying the message out there and uh, making a difference yeah you want to set yourself up for for you know future generations i mm-hmm. mean set your kids up and you know just just prepare yourself prepare your estate make sure your state's in order and everything's going to be distributed the way you want in, in the 80s. It's a good time to start giving some of that away. Um, so great points there. All right, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. 
And we are starting off our last segment here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, this has to do with um, interest rate risk. Um, want to make sure you understand what that is for your portfolio. So look at your bonds, uh, your bond portfolio, and you got to look at the maturity, the length of time before that bond matures to figure out what your interest rate risk is. And guys, it can be significant. Um, if you have a you know long term bond, twenty or thirty years and you have a rise in interest rates, you can have a pretty significant drop in the value of that bond. So if you have to sell that bond, um, you're going to have capital losses. Now, you can hold it for the 20 or 30 years, and you'll get back what you put in there. But we see a lot of times people needing that money, and they'll have to sell those bonds at a loss. So make sure you understand what that um, what the bond maturity is. Yeah, it, it's not uncommon for us to sit down with new clients or prospects that have money in a portfolio that's all bonds, and they'll come in and they'll question, you know, why is my portfolio down? I thought these were all guaranteed. I thought I couldn't lose money in these bonds. And it's true, the principal of your bonds are guaranteed by either a company or, you know, a municipality, maybe if they're municipal bonds or the government. But they still have interest rate risk, as John mentioned. So if the interest rates go up, the value of that bond is going to go down. And how much they go up or down depends on what the maturity and the duration is. Mm-hmm. So the longer the term, the more they can go up or down with interest rates. And with interest rates still hovering you know, at pretty low levels here, um, they could go up substantially from here. And if they do, long-term bonds are going to get hurt. So you need to understand how much you could get hurt with the bonds in your investments. Yep. So, great prescription of the week. All right, and that leads up to our last topic here, and that is the ABCs of long-term care. A very important topic here. So, yeah, Gordon, I mean, this is something everybody needs to pay attention to, particularly later in life. Yeah, that's that's right, Steve, and it's something that we've been talking about. Excuse me. Something that we've been talking about here lately. Uh, We've had several seminars or you know presentations uh that we've talked about and uh just to kind of start off with an example here uh kind of gives you a feel for for the need for what for why long-term care uh is important let's think about this joe and Susie were a young married couple of equal age uh they weren't always smart with their money but they worked hard uh to build up a nest egg of about three hundred thousand dollars later in life when joe was about 67 years old he developed Alzheimer's disease. At first, it wasn't you know too bad. Susie was able to take care of him and uh, use some of their nest egg to hire home home care specialists to help you know a few hours a day. But as his condition worsened, he had to go into a nursing home. Now we we've heard this scenario several times and in real life you know uh, cases. Sadly, after five years in the home, Joe passed away uh, from old age. Now Susie, she's seventy two and she's still healthy. Uh, but now she's having to work a full-time job uh, because of her husband's stay in the nursing home. And that, you know, that basically ate up all of their nest egg. And now, you know, she's having to go back to work. And this is something that, you know, thousands of people really do face and encounter. You know, so let's define, again, recap real quick, Steve, what is long-term care? Yeah, that's a great question because this is something that is very, very important, you know, as you age. I mean, no one likes to think about it, but as people become, you know, older, as they maybe get ill, they might need help doing the daily tasks like getting dressed, bathing, eating, just moving around. Um, And so long-term care provides people with those services, provides them help in doing doing the daily daily activities that's what they call them the adls exactly daily activities of life really is what it is so you know unfortunately long-term care uh 
help is really expensive. Most health and disability insurance doesn't cover it. Medicare only covers a very limited amount for long-term care. So it's very, very important you have a plan for how to take care of long-term care as you age. And, um, you know, insurance is one of the best ways to do that. Yeah, and according to the American Association of Home and Services for the Aging, about 69% of people will need some form of long-term care after the age of 65. So, you know, we're, we're believers in this insurance. Dave Ramsey is a huge fan of it as well. And if you become ill, it ensures that your spouse will have enough money to eat and your kids won't be burdened with huge payments. So not having long-term care insurance, it can be a three or $400,000 mistake. So it's something you definitely want to consider. Yeah, you know, and, and some people think, well, won't the government pay for my long-term care? They will if you qualify for Medicaid, you know, the government program that's designed for people who truly don't have any money, uh, who are truly in need. And you also you got to realize the quality of care that you receive through that may not be, you know, up to par of what you were hoping to get during that time uh, as well. You know, a lot of times people, they, they try to cheat the system and move assets all around or, uh, you know, do some changes uh, through a process, but you know when you move assets, there's still a 60 month look back provision. Uh, you know, as we've discussed again several times this week, that could end up being more costly than actually paying for the long term care or disqualifying some people altogether from the assistance. You know, so you've really got to take a look at the the true cost and the timing of it. You know, it may be cheaper uh, to buy long term care at age 50. But is it better? And so there's some numbers that we're going to take a look at here. Steve, help us out with those. Yeah, yeah. Qualifying for Medicaid is is very, very tricky, and uh, that doesn't work for everyone. Like you said, it's a 60-month look-back rule. So a better way to cover it is to have long-term care insurance. So what is the cost of long-term care insurance? Um, Well, here's an example. At age 50, you know, is it better to have long-term care insurance age 50 or perhaps waiting later to, to wait until age 60? Yeah. Right. So here's the difference here in this example. The average long-term care premium for a healthy 50-year-old man is about $1,340 per year. Okay, $1,340 so per just year. just over $100 a month. Right. For somebody age 50, 50-year-old man. If the policy remains in effect until the person is 95, he would spend about $60,000 in premiums for that long-term care insurance. For a healthy 60-year-old, so if you wait 10 years to age 60, the average premium then is about $2,170 per year. So almost $2,200 per year. So it, it's going to cost total up to age 95 it would cost that same man about 75 about really about $76,000 right to keep that policy in place until age 95 if he waited to age 60 and paid the 2170 per year so the bottom line here is buying long-term care insurance at age 50 is actually about $15,000 cheaper than buying at age 60 that's kind of what we're showing here. Um, the problem with that is uh, you could actually save the money and invest it and, and come out ahead. Um, so what happens is instead of bond age 50, instead of you've invested that difference, which is $1,340 per year until age 60, how much money would you have? Well, if you did that, it would grow to about $17,000 when you turn age 60. 
Um, so that actually is more than the difference, the 15650 difference. And that's just on that 10 years, at 5%. Exactly. You know? exactly. Which is very realistic. And then that money keeps growing forever. That's so, right. So it's it's better you know, to wait if you can is really what this example shows. 60. Yeah. You know, a lot of people worry that if they do wait to age 60 to buy the uh, long-term care insurance, they'll develop a medical condition that will either prevent them from qualifying for coverage or maybe significantly raise their premiums. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why Dave suggests waiting until 60 is because you're much less likely to file a claim before that age. I mean, looking at the stats, 90% of claims are filed for people over the age of 70. But if you have a, you know, family history of illness at a young age or you're losing sleep over, you know, trying to figure out if you're going to get sick or not um, and you can afford it, then it, it, you can go buy it. I mean, the peace of mind may be worth the additional cost associated with it but you know 60 is a reasonable age to look at it yeah but don't just buy it because you think that you'll be saving money you know at at a young age you know make sure that you you've thought this through that you sat down you've talked with someone about it and also you know um if you're in a position if, if your parents want it or need it and they can't afford it, and you can, then that might be uh, a good way for you to help them out there. And, and also it may help you, um, you know, in, in the in the long term there. So that's another consideration when taking a look at the long-term care. Yeah, long-term care is very, very important, um, very expensive. You can certainly spend out your uh, healthy size estate if you don't plan properly for long-term care. So you certainly need to have a plan for that. It depends on everybody's individual situation, right? Um, some people can afford to pay the cost of a nursing home. Average cost of nursing homes is about $70,000 a year, perhaps, in South Carolina and Georgia in that ballpark. Some people can pay that out of pocket. Um, some people can't. So you need to have a plan for how to pay that. And you have assisted living facilities, which are a lot less expensive than that. So you're able to go into that as an interim. Uh, home health care is about you know forty forty thousand dollars. So you know something that you have to look at your individual situation. If you have pensions, you know Social Security coming in, you can maybe self insure. But um, having a long term care policy. It's something you need to look at. That and, and, and look at those provisions within it, you know, whenever you are looking at a long-term care policy. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Details great. are important. Yes. That's right. Okay. Great topic. And that has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Jesus.